1: Hi everyone, I'm Mel and welcome to Empowered Love Radio Show. And this week's Empowered Love Radio Show is another thriver show, uh, which I absolutely love doing, sharing with you the inspiration of people that have made it through out to the other side from narcissistic abuse. And this show is a lady called Sylvia. And sometimes in the community, certain people really seem to stand out and in things like YouTube comments and Facebook comments for quite some time I've been reading Sylvia's posts and thinking wow this woman so gets it she's so in the thriver orientation she's in radical personal responsibility she's glowingly breaking through to the other side and her and her insights are so profound that It seems like stuff I'd write or even better than stuff I could write. So I was really fascinated by this lady and I ended up making contact with her and started to forge, you know, a really lovely relationship with her because she's quite a wag and she's gorgeous and I relate to her in so many ways and she's a lovely lady in the UK and I have great pleasure in introducing uh, Sylvia to you all today and the sharing of her journey from victim to surviving and then thriving. And so, Sylvia, thank you so much for coming on the show.
0: I'm really glad to be here, Mel. Well, We're thrilled to have you here, Sylvia. So let's kick it off
1: and let's get this conversation started with you describing your narcissistic experiences. There was definitely more than
0: one okay well my narcissistic experience began in the family home with my mother who was a narcissist although it was to be several decades before i became consciously aware of that so i'll come back to that later on if that's okay sure my first narcissistic relationship was when i was only 13 years of age with an older boy who groomed and then abused me. That situation had a devastating effect on my self-esteem and my education as my schoolwork was so badly affected. I then went on to have four narcissistic relationships as an adult. Mm, Yeah, yeah.
1: So... Usually our last one is the big bad wolf. These uh, relationships tend to intensify. So if we focus on the last one, how talk about it yes. and, and, you know, what, what went down and also how you ended up
0: as a result of that relationship, Sylvia. Okay. Um, as you've said now, you know, the little pigs and the big bad wolf, Now, I had had the three little pigs in my first three narcissistic relationships, but I was about to meet the big bad wolf. He showed up in my life in the shape of a local businessman who was also married and he was a raging cocaine addict. Now, I'm not proud of having had an affair with a married man but he actually told me that he and his wife lived separate lives and um, they were going to divorce when their kids got a bit older. And I believed him because I wanted to believe him.
1: As many people in this community have, absolutely. And I, I don't think there's any shame in... I think we all look back and we go, oh my God, how could I have been so silly or whatever? But at the time, it's highly compelling and we do believe it.
0: Yes, absolutely. He um, was very flamboyant and gregarious. He was a lot of fun to be with. He bought me presents and took me on business trips to lovely hotels. And can I just burst into a bit of awareness at this point, Mel?
1: Oh, gosh, any time you would like to, Sylvia, because that's you. That's how we're presenting (laughs) you in this show. So please just uh, be yourself with with your snippets of wisdom because they are amazing.
0: I was always attracted to men who kind of showered me with presents and um, threw money around because that's the only way my father could show his affection. My father was very, very um, emotionally unavailable. And that's the only way he ever showed me any love was with presents and money and stuff like that. So when a man did that for me, I automatically thought it was a sign of their love. Even no matter, you know, how bad their other behaviors were, how abysmal, you know, their other traits were as long as they were doing that, I did believe that I was being shown love.
1: Wow. You know, I I know there's going to be a lot of pennies dropping out in the community right now. That's (laughs) just a point-blank correlation and a very powerful one.
0: Mm. So anyway... um, He told me I was the love of his life and he was going to marry me when his divorce came through and I was absolutely madly in love with this guy, or or certainly what I thought was love. Now, the problem was he was an absolute monster when he had had cocaine. It's as if all his narcissistic traits were magnified by a thousand he was rude. He was um, loud, arrogant, condescending. He was very unpleasant to waiters and bar staff. He would tell ridiculous, outrageous stories and name drop about celebrities that he'd never met. He was, he was really dreadful when he was taking cocaine. But I made excuses for him You know, I believe that he was a nice guy when he wasn't taking drugs. But the problem was he always was taking drugs because he was a drug addict. So anyway, as time went by, he became um, very cruel to me verbally. He would humiliate me in public. He would call me names. He would say I was too old. I was past it. I was mutton dressed as lamb. It very, very verbally insulting. He became very unreliable. He would um, go missing in action for weeks at a time. And, of course, this totally triggered my abandonment fears. And I really did have a huge issue with abandonment.
1: Mm, we shared that and in comments, um, Sylvia. That was massive for me too. It's massive for a lot of people. When abandonment gets triggered, it can really hook us in. Yes, of
0: course. And it's amazing how the narc picks up on this and plays on it, isn't it? They, mm. You know, they, once they know we have that fear, they deliberately trigger it again and again. And um, life became pretty, pretty miserable with him, really. I was totally obsessed with him. I had this kind of loop going round and round in my head. I was replaying everything he said, everything he did. It was a total obsession. And I think, you know, a lot of us have been through the same thing. Mm, where they, they nice. really do get this hook into us. Yeah. Absolutely. And, um, Thank you. He ended the relationship several times. But then he would come back a few days later and um, pretend he didn't know what I was talking about when I reminded him he had actually ended it. He would say, I'd imagined things. He, would, uh, he was very skilled at gaslighting and head games. And he had me completely in a state of confusion, really. And two and a half years into this situation, I began to feel very, very mentally unstable. I was confused. I was very, very anxious. I couldn't trust myself or my own judgment or my own perceptions. I was very depressed. um, And I knew at this point that this relationship was not going anywhere. It was not going to have a happy ending. But I didn't feel that I had the strength to actually try and end it. I felt that um, I was too weak. And I knew that if I tried to end it, he would punish me for trying to end it. I just didn't feel I had had the strength to do anything about it, which was really frightening. Mm.
1: So what did you do to try and hang in there because you felt like you couldn't get out so what did you try to do to cope
0: well I was constantly trying to change him I was very very righteous but none of it worked and um, I started to medicate with quite a lot of alcohol self-medicate and I also became addicted to astrology and horoscope phone lines mm. which I know that sounds really odd but
1: no I'm... I was uh,
0: spending hundreds of pounds a month mm.
1: well isn't that so true it's like trying calls. trying to get answers outside of ourselves when we feel powerless on the inside that's I know a lot of people Definitely. have done that
0: yeah hmm. That's exactly what I was doing. I desperately wanted someone to tell me something positive. Mm. And um, I was very, very miserable. And uh, another two and a half years of this actually went on. So it was five years in total. And um, fate stepped in when I found out that He was actually bisexual. I was told that he had been attending gay parties at a private club in London for a very long time. Now, I have no problem with anybody being bisexual. I just wouldn't personally choose to sleep with a bisexual man.
1: Mm,
0: And I hadn't been given the choice. So I decided there and then I wanted this to end. I felt extremely angry at myself for having let this man get so much control over my life. I felt as though I was such a small part of his life and yet he... Hello, Sylvia. We've lost you.
1: Hello, Sylvia. Okay, I'm just going to send Sylvia a message because it seems that we've lost her. Let's have a look what's happening here. Sometimes technology is not infallible, unfortunately. Okay. But yeah, it's really interesting what Sylvia's talking about with the uh, with the bisexual discovery and how all of us. Well, hopefully, we have a bottom line somewhere. And sometimes there are things that come up that we find out about that we just would never tolerate. And that was, um, even though it was such a shocking discovery for her, it really was a part. And it was her get out of jail card because here was something hitting her uh, experience, her life experience, that she had a definite um, bottom line on that there was no way known she was ever going to tolerate that, even though the things that um, she'd been receiving from him that were hurting her, they were things that were unhealed skirmishes. They were things that she would still tolerate while she was trying to unravel them and heal them and evolve from those things. But the thing about the bisexual was something that Had not infiltrated and traumatized her experience. It was just something she knew she'd never accept. And it's really interesting how. Hi, Mel.
0: Hello,
1: hello, you're back. Oh, good. I was just. I'm back. (laughs) (laughs) This is what can happen with technology, right? So, okay, where were we? Where were we? Where were we? You were just driving.
0: I think I had some traumatized when I found out that he was bisexual
1: Mm, we were talking about that yeah expand on that for us
0: I realized at that point what a small part I played in this man's life and what a huge amount of control he had gotten over mine and I felt very very angry Um, and I decided at that point that I had to get this man out of my life and with that anger came a huge strength. I was determined. And um, I confronted him. And I told him that if he contacted me again, I would get in touch with his wife and I would tell her everything I knew. Now, I probably wouldn't have done that because I certainly didn't want to cause her any more pain than I already had but it seemed to work for a while I changed my phone numbers I just cut off contact with him completely and um, it did work for a while and then he turned up very very drunk one night and uh, I wouldn't answer the door so he started to make a lot of noise and commotion in my garden and I had him arrested and that did the trick wow. and I was free of him at last
1: mm-hmm. you really meant it you really and isn't it so interesting I, I was talking to uh the listeners about how we can have a bottom line that is just such a knowing, like you would not tolerate sleeping with a bisexual man and I think a lot of people wouldn't know that was your bottom yeah. line the other things weren't they were still unhealed skirmishes and traumas that you'd taken on in childhood that you hadn't... That's why we tolerate stuff. But this one was something... Absolutely. Yeah, you knew you wouldn't tolerate it. And uh, so it was really a get-out-of-jail card for you, finding that out. Yes. Absolutely. Even though it was shocking and terrible and, oh, my gosh... But it, but it gave you that impetus to say, no more.
0: Definitely. It, it was one of my boundaries, and I had very, very few boundaries, Mel, but that was one of them. And mm. um, as, as delighted as I was to be out of the situation, and I felt very, very relieved, I think the five years of psychological torture that I had gone through took their toll. And looking back, I think I had some sort of breakdown. I couldn't stop crying and shaking. I had to take several uh weeks sick leave from work, which wasn't like me. I was really in a very, very black hole for quite a long time.
1: Mm so then what did you do to try and heal from that, what happened
0: well I started to look within myself which was something I had never ever done I had always looked out there for the answers and out there for solutions and I actually started to look within and it's as if I knew that the answers lay within me and I started to look at my life from an objective viewpoint and ask myself, why? Why has all this happened? Why is my life such a mess? Why have I consistently failed to find a decent man to love me? And I also started to look at other areas of my life, like um, money, which had always been a huge problem for me, Even though I was very good at earning money, it just slipped through my fingers. And um, I had nothing to show for it. I was constantly in debt. I had maxed out credit cards, arrears with things, um, overdrafts, when really there was no need for that to be happening. But of course, that was also because of my inner programming. It was all stemming from the same thing, really.
1: Mm -hmm. and what and let's just go into that now you know what was that inner programming
0: about I well as I've said my mum was a narcissist and when I was a child she was very very possessive with me she hated other people paying me attention or talking to me Um, it was as if If she saw me having fun or enjoying myself, it upset her. It made her angry. And Mm. I started to play small in life at a very early age. I believed that if I had too much happiness or success or attention, I would hurt someone else or I would make them angry and I would be punished. Mm. So I flew under the radar. I was scared to have too much money. And so I was subconsciously getting rid of it.
1: Yeah, yeah. It makes so much sense. And then, of course, you're going to, you know, really be that inner unconscious match for people that continue to minimalize you. Oh, yes.
0: Yes, definitely. I constantly was attracted to people who kept me down. Yeah. Because when we believe something, we gather evidence and we attract all the components to live those beliefs. Mm, Exactly, exactly.
1: Because that's what belief systems do. They live out the validity of the belief to the letter with all of the life experiences that we're unconsciously
0: generating. Yes, of course, yes. Mm. And I realized that... um... Sorry, Mel. No, you keep going. I realized that it was the same thing with relationships. I felt very much as though I had no right to be myself or to act in my own interest. It was as though I felt I only existed in relation to other people and mm-hmm. their needs had to come before mine and I I wasn't allowed to have an identity of my own and when we have a weak sense of identity obviously we are going to have very very weak boundaries which I did
1: absolutely Absolutely, and then we're trying to hand over power. Well, we're handing over power all the time saying, well, who do I need to be for you to accept me so that I can be safe, I can be included, I can be loved, and I can have a life?
0: Absolutely. I, I needed permission to actually um, be here. Mm.
1: Sylvia, our journeys are so similar. It's uh, really quite freaky, but I know a lot of people, and it's great for people out there that might be listening, even NARPers, people that are already on the NARP program, you know, going, oh, wow, these are really key beliefs for me to look at, to reprogram, because mm. they can relate to, uh, they can relate to the having to play small, not allowed to be ourselves. And when we're in that container, and we've been in it since a child, it becomes our normal. And and sometimes we don't even know yeah. that's actually what we've been doing because we've known no different. And sometimes it can take an out of reflection and you go, oh, oh my gosh, that resonates so much for me. It really does. So how did this start turning around, Sylvia? What, what happened?
0: I accidentally clicked on a link to an article about personality disorders. And when I read about narcissism, everything started to fall into place. I knew that I had been narcissistically abused all of my life. Mm. And I started to do what I think everyone does, which is to research and study and devour every bit of information that I could possibly find about narcissism. I became an expert on it. (laughs) Yeah. But, unfortunately, knowledge isn't always power. And the more I learned about narcissism on a logical level, the more frightened of it I became. I was, mm. I was terrified of meeting more narcissists. I was practically walking around with a crucifix and a string of garlic around my neck <laughs>
1: mm, yeah, <laughs> because I'd yeah. made
0: myself so frightened. Mm. And... Um, you know, all of that information really wasn't helping because I was still having experiences with narcissistic people. Now, can I just say this, Mel? While I know I have had several full-blown narcissists in my life, I think that my codependency actually brought out narcissistic traits in people who weren't necessarily narcissists.
1: Does wow, that now, that's, now that's huge a one hundred percent personal responsibility, which I've all, always seen with you, and you know that could create a little bit of an outcry here, but i I don't mind yes. um,
0: cause
1: I don't mind, and interestingly enough, I'm actually writing an article at the moment about all of this stuff, uh, so it's good timing to have this conversation and to go deeper into it. And um, Sylvia, I, I, yeah, it's totally okay for you to talk about this because a huge part of our healing and our reprogramming is about saying, well, how have I colluded with this experience by showing up in an unconscious way? Um, yes. Now, we just look as a disclaimer, as a disclaimer, let's just please say that... Because some people think, well, you know, if I heal my codependency, that a narcissist will not be a narcissist. They could be a normal person. Like I've made them a narcissist. No, that's not what we're about to talk mm. about. Here, okay. Somebody with NPD no, has got No, no, no. No way. Somebody with NPD has got NPD, right? It's, they're not healthy. Mm. Doesn't, it doesn't matter if you showed up as Mother Teresa or Gandhi or the Dalai yeah. Lama right? They're not going to be different. Yes. No. Okay, but this is not what we're talking about. So go right ahead.
0: I feel as though because I played so small in life I kind of invited others to play big. Yes. And because I was so self-sacrificing it was as though I was allowing people to be more selfish. And, and well, that's training, what I mean you're, um, we're, we're always training people
1: How they should treat us We, we really are Yes. By how
0: we're being yes. And yeah
1: Keep going This is perfect
0: And um, while I'm In no way saying that I Deserved it or I asked For it I do mm-hmm. believe That I was creating That dynamic And I kept having narcissistic experiences with people. And it was only in 2012 when I had um, a narc make an attempt to hoover me and end up holding me hostage in my own home for 36 hours that I realized something inside me was still broken that all this knowledge and power was not really working. And I decided to go back online and that's when I found you. So what happened when you started reading my information? I just felt as though I'd come home. I was, I was really connecting with it. And I knew that narcissism was an energetic thing. It wasn't just about knowing. It wasn't just about studying. It was about so much more than that. But I still was having a problem in accepting that the trauma was trapped in my body and not my head. Mm, Yeah. And so I, I really did struggle with that. And so I decided, I had a look at NARP, and I thought, you know, I think I'm too advanced for that. I think I know too much about narcissism to do that. And so I went on. And so I started your self-empowerment course instead, which was absolutely amazing. And I got a lot out of it. And I can't wait to do it again one day. But I wasn't ready for it. I still had too much trauma. Yeah. And I still had um, PTSD. I was still being very, very triggered by things. And in 2015, I finally started doing NARP. And that's when the transformation really, really began. Wow,
1: so what month in 2015 did you start doing NARP?
0: I think it was about June or July. So I haven't really been doing NARP very long. Mm, but the, mm. the transformation it's had on my life is just amazing.
1: Well, it's the last few months that you were posting and I'm going, wow, who is this woman? You know, she's
0: just so standing
1: out here. So, okay, so um, share with us the transformations that have happened.
0: I discovered so many false belief systems, uh, my PTSD completely disappeared. I'm no longer Mm. triggered by things that used to trigger me. For instance, if someone guilt tripped me, or emotionally blackmailed me. I would actually feel sick. I would get a pain in my stomach. And I would feel that you know I instantly had to do whatever that person wanted. And, and those mm-hmm. triggers had gone on since childhood. And all of that has stopped now. I'm not triggered by other people's behavior. It's as if mm-hmm. I'm now standing mm-hmm. in my own space. I'm just observing how other people behave rather than being connected to it in any way.
1: Amen to that. You know that thing about PTSD and I talk about this all the time in forums in the three keys group, and you know when people um and I was one of them see PTSD through the roof. And it is synonymous with narcissistic abuse, but it is not a life sentence. And sadly, there are groups out there that talk about PTSD, and we're always going to have it, and we have to manage it. And let's create groups about it. Let's talk about it. And we're all PTSD people, and we're all, um, you know, we're all victims, we're all survivors of abuse. And the thing is, PTSD is yeah. only ever about the trapped trauma in your body and when you go to it, find it, release it, and up-level it, well, then there is no trapped trauma in your body generating PTSD. It is not just completely gone. You actually end up more radiant, extended, and confident in life than you ever were even before
0: the abuse. Absolutely. I had so much fear of life. I was absolutely terrified of life. And now I feel as though I'm actually playing in life. I'm playing the game of life in a way that I didn't before. Because in previous times, I felt exiled from the good things that other people seem to take for granted. And now I feel as though I'm doing what I always should have been doing here, which is enjoying life without fear. Mm, exactly and I, I had the
1: same experience you know even though um it's beautiful sylvia i love it it makes my heart sing every time i hear any person in the community say that and it makes my heart sing when we hear it on radio in this way because it's such an inspiration to know that when you felt um i remember you know for years i had beautiful osho cards lovely and i always used to pull out the card that was being um, the bird in the cage still in the cage and there was a key to open the cage to get out and I remember that's how I used to feel in life I used to feel like I was trapped in this cage looking to the outside exactly like you I can't have the good stuff I can't yes. have joy I can't have fun I can't have freedom yep. and I was so addiction prone because I was always trying to burn off anxiety and pain and so survive you know and I know you were very similar to that too you know and always getting smashed up and recovering and you know always in damage control and obsession and this was with or without narcissists by the way it was just accentuated a lot more with narcissists but that was my reality yeah definitely yeah yeah, yeah. And then the whole yeah. narcissistic experience is a let, you know, through and through super tools, which is what quantum freedom healing is enough, you know, we can get into our body, find the original traumas that have always been there always been there and free ourselves from them and that's when our real life begins so I love it so tell share a bit about more about your real life now you know what it looks like what what you're doing now what
0: what it is I've started to um, do things that I never had the confidence to do before I went back to night school and I got some of the qualifications that I missed out on at school, which made me feel incredibly good about myself. I started to train as a counsellor or therapist in 2012 because I'd always, um, you know, had a, a leaning towards that sort of thing. But as I became more conscious, and especially when I started doing not, I realized I was doing it for the wrong reasons. My codependency was kicking in again, and I was still wanting to um, prescribe and advise people and change people's lives and tell them what to do. Mm-hmm. And so I actually, I've put my training as a counselor on hold, for a while. I may go back to it, but I definitely was doing it for the wrong reasons.
1: Mm. What an awareness. That's just huge. So what what is the right thing for you right now? What are what are your right
0: reasons and, and what does that look like? I've begun to train as a palliative healthcare assistant, which is obviously um, spending time with people who are dying. Because I wow. think I, I have got compassion and empathy to to be in that situation with people without wanting anything out of it for myself oh wow and i really have you know gone into that and asked myself you know do am am i trying to get something out of this for myself and i know that the answer is no i just want to do that i have a calling Mm. to do that
1: I was just going to say, it really feels and sounds like a soul calling.
0: Yes, I believe it is.
1: Mm, Gorgeous. Whereas
0: counselling wasn't really, or certainly not when I was doing it. I had an agenda.
1: Got you, got you. And isn't that the difference between being authentic and doing something in order to try to feel full, whereas when we start feeling full well, then we can just start sharing that fullness in authentic ways rather than trying to get our fullness from the outside. There's a huge difference.
0: Yes. Yes, there is a, a, a huge difference. Mm. Um, you know, Mel, I always felt that I had to have a purpose in life, that I had to justify being here. Well wow. That I had to prove myself in some way. You know, and there's there's a limiting... Sorry, I just really wanted to
1: interject there and then I'll let you speak because it was just such a good (laughs) opportunity. No problem. It's such a... And how is that for a limiting painful belief? I have to justify my experience, my existence. I have to justify my existence. Yeah. That's a belief that, gosh, is that a big hook to get into narcissistic abuse. Because I tell you what, when you're with a narcissist, you are justifying your existence nearly every day once the mask drops, right?
0: Oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm.
1: Yep, yep. And I don't deserve to exist unless I am winning or earning approval and love, you know. Absolutely. And they are big, big human conditions that have been created in our belief systems that are complete false premises And they are very much beliefs that get us into narcissistic abuse unconsciously. Okay, yeah, continue. I'm loving all of this you're saying. It's really profound.
0: Now, I don't feel as though I have to have a purpose. Even though I am doing things that I've always dreamed of, I also know that if I wanted to sit on my butt and gaze at my navel, from now until the day I die that's okay too oh I love it I'm allowed to do that I don't have to justify being here I'm here because I'm here and I'm deserving of being here because I'm here I love it
1: Amen (laughs) Amen Oh, that is huge. That's huge belief system reprogramming. That's quantum leap stuff because when we hit that point, the freedom, the joy, the creativity, the inspiration that comes is huge. It's massive because we've switched from out of survival to having to justify our existence to be able to be here and to have any of the goodies to survive. That's what survival is. We've shifted out of that into pure creation, which means I have source flowing through me as me and I am existence and expansion and creation itself. That's where the juice is. Exactly. That's where thrivers live. That's the thriver goal. That's the thriver promise when we do the work in our body and we reprogram these false, painful, devastating beliefs into true source beliefs, we, we become that flow. Yay, I love you're there.
0: Absolutely.
1: Mm. Mm. And you mm. couldn't have been sharing the things that you were sharing on Facebook unless you were there. You know, it's really interesting when people speak from like a head knowledge perspective or when they talk from a deep soul-knowing perspective, it's like universes apart, what they write. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And you're in the pocket, my lady. You Oh, that's gorgeous. Oh, how lovely. Because now, um, and isn't that, that's the space when we don't have requirement. And I think that's a huge thing. You know, there's a lot of people going around going, well, what's my purpose? What am I here for? What am I, you know, and and when we mm. do that, we're trying to find it. We're trying to fit ourselves into, you know, a square peg. We're trying to find a, a square hole for our square peg rather than just allowing... Yes, of course. Yeah, just allowing our soul to unfold itself. And For me, what I really believe it is, it's when, when we make our grandest mission, the getting the trauma out of our body, to be the most up-leveled, wholesome, true self that we can be, Firstly, for ourselves, because it feels fantastic. But then we are going to serve life and others in the highest ways organically. Yes. And then it's just going to happen. Yes. And it happens not even because we need it to happen. It happens because it's just who we are. Yes. Mm, I love it. And it's So, Sylvia, like things like, you know, relationships with people close to you and um, your daughter and, you know, just a little bit about that. Has anything shifted there?
0: Uh, Massive things have shifted. I have a, a much better relationship with my daughter and her life seems to have shifted. And I would never, ever dream of saying to her, oh, your life shifted because I've been doing not. But it has. She is different. Mm. She is having a much better relationship with her partner. Now, I haven't met a um, significant other yet, and I don't really feel any need to. I'm not in that mindset of I must find a man anymore. Mm. I'm enjoying my own company, I'm really enjoying being my own partner, I'm practicing, I'm Mm, practicing on myself.
1: Oh, I love that.
0: But one thing I have got now, which I never had before, I've got some beautiful platonic male friends, Oh, and I never had that before. Isn't that gorgeous? Mm. I I never I was never interested in just being friends with men, and yeah. now I have yeah. that.
1: I was the same too. Mm. I I agree. I agree. And isn't it beautiful that you can really enjoy male energy and male company in
0: healthy ways with male friends? It's just beautiful. I feel as though that's kind of a practice run too. Oh, it is.
1: It totally is.
0: Yeah, definitely. I have healthier friendships now, for instance. Mm. I don't become enmeshed with people. Yeah, lovely. That's so,
1: so good. So, Sylvia, what final message would you like to share with the community?
0: We are creating our own experience day-to-day. Our inner programs and our belief systems are creating it. And if they don't serve us, then life won't serve us. It's so important to do that inner work. It's so important to access what is going on inside of us because what was going on for me consciously and subconsciously were two completely different things there was a huge, huge conflict going on. And it wasn't until I started doing the modules that my subconscious seemed to open up. And I realized exactly what was going on. And that was really thrilling because when I did that, I could see exactly why I had had the experiences that I had had. We Mm -hmm. must go within. It's a really
1: beautiful, simple expression. If I don't go within, I go without, and I believe that with all my heart yes, now
0: absolutely mm, definitely, mm. yeah,
1: well, Sylvia, thank you so much for coming on the show, and we're going to post your show up on the blog with just some notes about it, and then the recording. And would you be happy to answer any questions or comments that people ask you directly about your experience?
0: I would love to do that. It would be my absolute
1: pleasure. Mm, Gorgeous. So, you know, please, anybody listening to the show, that when you go to the blog, um, you can ask Sylvia some stuff directly if you want to know more about you know her journey and her transformation and she's gorgeous with her answers they're so profound they're going to really grant you wisdom so sylvia thank you so much for coming on the show and um it's just it's and it's a joy having you in the community and being a part of the three keys group and now you're going to become a moderator in the forum and Help other people, and I, I just love being connected with you. So, thank you. I'm so pleased for us as well as you that you joined in on
0: this path. Thank you, Mel. I'm I'm absolutely thrilled to be here. Thank you. All right. Well,
1: thank you so much for um, getting up early for this interview. And and um,
0: bye bye, Sylvia. And we'll I'll talk to you soon. Bye, Mel. Okay,
1: so I really hope that you've enjoyed that interview and that there wasn't too much static on the line. There was a little bit, but um, I'm sure you can still hear Sylvia. And I really look forward to answering any of your questions and comments that you have on the blog about this show. And also please know that there is an upcoming Three Keys to Thriving After Narcissistic Abuse webinar where you're introduced to the super tools that Sylvia and other Thrivers connected to, which are the exact tools to be able to find those original faulty programs in your subconscious to release them, up-level them, and reprogram them. So not only are you leaving behind narcissistic abuse, but you're getting access to life in ways that you never had before. Even before the abuse, Even if abuse is all you've known since a child. And, uh, you know, this is what's revolutionizing the old recovery methods and turning them into something much faster, much more powerful and so much more real. So now to get straight to there, all you need to do is put in your browser melanietoniaevans.com forward slash free webinar. And that will take you straight to um, a four-point video and a sign-up. So, again, that's melanietonyevanscom forward slash free webinar. And also the details will be on the blog. So that's it from me until next week. And lots of love. Bye-bye, everybody.